in all my interactions with women and over the lockdown i would have spoken to at least 30 groups of women of diverse backgrounds and my only communication has been that you have to put on your money oxygen mask first so women are programmed to do everything for everyone but we can do this better if we are financially secure we are extremely proud to commence this journey on financial awareness through financially speaking on women's day with a woman who has truly been a trailblazer in her own right i want to thank monica helan editor writer author speaker anchor the list can go on and on but thank you monica for joining me today in this launch of our podcast Every human being is a story and each one of us has a story to tell and we can learn so much from the stories of others. Every story also has money playing a big role in it and uh, the lack of it or abundance of it which has influenced how the story goes on. Therefore the first time ever we at India First Life are bringing you financially speaking a podcast that consists of heartwarming stories of people who are living life with exuberance and striving to create a greater impact on their family and their lives their stories in turn will open up your mind to the possibilities of planning for your certainties and will give you financial advice like never before so i thought who better than you to start talking on the financially speaking so where we could bring both our views together converge them a path to our listeners leave behind some nuggets that someone may pick up For instance I know that when I read your book the biggest biggest and the most simple lesson was the income account and the expense account I had sorted it all I knew exactly what financials was but something as simple as have an income account and an expense account to manage you know in case you're not very financially prudent is such a fantastic idea so I'll start this conversation with a little bit of what money has been uh, to me in my life and money has been a means to an end didn't have so much money that you needed to plan around it we had just enough and uh, the priorities as i was growing up was very 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 clear money will be used for education you know there's no question money being used for you know materialistic consumerism behavior at the same time there was also scarcity of money around and uh, scarcity meant prioritization all the time so prioritization was something that we grew up with it was just inbuilt i can't remember a single time that i did not have my priorities straight education first you know and food next and then home third and then clothing fourth you know the consumerism and experiences were were never a part of it but however i believe that entire prioritization and thinking of money very practically while it has made me who i am my children tend to find fault with it and they tend to believe that i'm too practical with money so however while i had a very practical uh, relationship with money and money was a means to an end and it had to be prioritized and so on and so forth uh, and i didn't think twice about it what was your trust with handling money what's your view on this vishaka i think we belong to this uh, cohort of population where this frugality is mixed in the blood i mean we sort of grew up with this uh, frugal mindset because you know growing up in the 70s literally there was very little 
and I cannot but for remember the story of uh, when we met the first time. I think you had been warned about this ogre called Monica Hallen who hates insurance companies. And you had the wisdom, of course, as a woman to say that, let me at least find out what she says. We met in a Starbucks in Delhi and saying that a Starbucks coffee, you know, okay, yeah, so we had the smallest. And because that lemon cake slice was too big, we split that because why should we waste something just because we have the money? So we split that lemon cake and we had a small coffee each sitting on a table. I think that sort of defines who we are and how we grew up. Yes, there is a gap. So see, our kids have grown up with a very different home environment than what we grew up in. We were the generation who, if did not make it big, if we did not cross that very frugal life, we were sort of condemned to a very different life than what we have seen. So that was our upbringing and that was our aspirations. But our children have grown up in a very different environment and all of them have grown up with plenty in their lives. I think every set of kids will decode it a little differently. My child, for instance, somehow imbibed those frugal habits. And even when she went abroad to study, I had to actually put floors to her spending and not ceilings. I would actually tell her, you have to at least spend this much. You know, so I think every kid will decode wealth in a different way, which doesn't mean that the aspiration for more is not there. But it's just that I think she had her own experiences and decided that money was something which she was not going to be wasting at all. The only thing I can talk about when I think about, you know, this uh, next generation who wants to spend on experiences and all of that. And it's not just experiences that generation also wants to use the parents money for buying Bitcoin, for example. I've understood from uh, my Twitter thread that especially young men who are yet to start earning, but you know, they are putting pressure on the father's retirement money to say this is how we can grow it. My only advice to them is earn your own and then spend it on whatever you want. So if this is my life and this is my upbringing with my frugal money values, I will spend according to my value system. Should you want your own experiences, earn your money and spend it. When I pass on, you may inherit. If you are, you are good to me, you will inherit. If not, you don't. But what I have earned is mine and I will do what I like with it. On how I spend my money, you earn your own. That's a very interesting take. Uh, you know, does that mean money is power? Absolutely, of course. Is that where people who don't want to use money as power or who are embarrassed to use money as power, uh, do they fail there, you know, and let their relationships interfere with being able to be practical with money and let me give you an example i had this this friend of ours 65 years old and he had sold his shop he was uh, retired and he just wanted to live and uh, he was being pressurized by himself to put up his house on mortgage to send his younger son to college in for mba in australia or something and when i asked him i said why do you want to do it he said it is my responsibility to get my children educated and I was struggling to get him to prioritize responsibility towards himself, his old age, his wife and responsibility towards children. And finally, you know, it was the child who had to step up and say, no, I don't want 
the responsibility of having to look after you because you have no money left you know but it was not right. the father who could make that decision and simply because he could not treat money practically so if we had to kind of weave out this emotional aspect from money and the practicality and you know how do you think and i feel women really are the most vulnerable uh, in that area you know there's a business loss and the woman is the one who's giving away all her gold there is a wedding in the family the woman is the one who's taking out everything that she has saved up over the years and women have always been taught to place relationships above money you know if they have held on to their money they've been accused of being selfish and not about being wise so your first responsibility is to yourself and these are very fine lines of balance to misinterpret this and completely get selfish or completely become selfless so there is a balance in the middle where you look after your financial health and security and then understand what the family needs are and i completely see this problem of mixing up emotions with money it is very difficult but somewhere i think that practical practicability has to come in that if it was a life threatening disease and it was my family member i would literally sell everything to save the life but do i want to do it for a degree which if the child studies hard enough he can get for a fraction in india i think the answer is no i don't want to do that but if it is close family members life that i can save by selling you know all my jewelry everything of course i would do that so i think it is just this practical money conversations which we shy away from but i think which are very very important that there is a responsibility to yourself and your spouse and once you have secured that then you can spend of course you know it's interesting you say this about saving lives and now i just hope whoever is listening in will listen in completely and not judge me halfway through my sentence but i believe even saving life is a relative decision for instance i know and this is a real case of my friend's uncle who was about 70 and 65 70 and he had an aged mother who was clearly you know at least 90 if he was in the range of 65 to 70 and the doctors had given up on her but he insisted that he wanted to keep her alive as long as he possibly could he ended up paying for the respiratory care and those hospital icu rooms the charges were something around like a 20 25000 per day and he incurred all of it he sold off his two properties that he had in delhi he sold everything off jewelry cars everything to give her some 3 or 4 years of life at that age in the hospital that's what i'm saying no vishakha you can't let go of common sense so when i'm saying that you have to spend you have to also see age and stage exactly I mean, i'm sorry but at 90 you know you've had a good life and should the choice of the person who's being made to go through hospital hospitalization for 4 years versus a release you know i know of you know older people who are putting it down in their wills to say yeah. no machines for me i'm sorry let me go 
why do you want me to subject me to bed sores and nurses so what is life then it comes to this question of what is life is life in a hospital bed life or is it having a good quality of life so these are very these are very emotionally charged conversations and decisions but i think the opinion of the person who's being subjected to that hospital care should also be taken into account taking actually a hypothetical scenario you know monica and i really want to do this for listeners because i believe that these emotions and financial decisions need to be segregated and people should have a reference point when they are looking at optimum utilization of money you know we studied marginal utility of money in 11th grade right anybody who's done economics your first fundamental economics theory has been marginal utility of money so if you're going to be looking at it as how are you and your wife going to live from 65 70 onwards without a house without a source of income the decision should also be made on the basis of the practicality right and emotions i don't think decisions of money should be emotional decisions at all i believe decisions about money have got to be completely practical because money ultimately is is cold it is a practical tool and it should be used accordingly as a tool absolutely but i don't know if you can completely divorce emotion from money mm-hmm. because then you're doing a cost benefit analysis at every point to yes. say that at 85 i can spend this much but at 86 i can't i don't think any of us can do that that is true but it is also about the doctor's advice saying that look we don't think that there is much hope left so we would advise you to allow a natural demise then you take that on board and then take your decision i would reduce the money quotient uh, emotional quotient in the money decision but you can't take it to zero i guess and i think it's that ability to find that balance between being practical and being emotional and maybe goes back to my childhood lesson of prioritization everything comes down to that if you it's it has to fit in with your value system and what is it that you value and then once you have taken that decision there are consequences to every decision mm-hmm. so if you take a conscious decision that no this is what i have to do because i will i'm ready to live on the road and put my wife through that then finally it is his money you know that is what he wants to do with it so i think i would like to control what i do but if somebody feels so emotionally charged that is really what he wants to do and not to show the neighbors not to show the family but really for himself if that is the decision which if he didn't take he would never forgive himself then you know and he is ready to take the consequences of that decision then so be it that's very interesting i actually that's so true right i mean you earn the money then you have a right to decide where you want to spend the money what about obligations right i mean um as and this comes to me specifically because many women you know give up careers give up financial independence to be full time homemakers and become dependent on the husbands financially yeah what is their right over the money that's being earned by the husband a lot of women think that it's 50-50 but it isn't in law and india doesn't have what is called community of marital assets which is a concept which says that at least in the west that during a marriage the assets which are built are divided 50-50 in case of the in case of a divorce in india the asset belongs to he who pays for it 
So there are two situations that it's a working couple in the sense that the woman also goes out to work. Then because most of the household running is the woman's job, I think everywhere, not just in India, the woman ends up spending on the household kacha of the kana, pina, all that. And the man's money usually goes to buy the house, build the assets. Now, in the situation that the asset is not joint and there's a divorce, the woman has paid the dry cleaning bills and he has got the house. So women have to be very careful, even when they are earning, that the assets are built in joint names and her and there is a common pool through which spending is done. So either it is pro rata on income or whatever it is that you work out with your spouse, that the spending is shared and so is the asset building. And these are real stories. I mean, I know of people who have gone through this. The second is the woman who gives up a career. It is fair to have a salary of your own if you are giving up work. So if you are giving up whole career and you're going to be sitting at home, you don't want to ask every month for money. So I think that's a negotiation that because there's childcare, but I need to have this much money every month for my own. And I, again, know of people who have actually done that to say that, you know, I need a lakh a month for my expenses. This is obviously a very high net worth house, but uh, she negotiated that before she left her own very good career to say that I need a lakh a month. And having done, that is not enough. The assets which are being built have to be in joint names. So the husband is able to gift money to the wife so that she can have a share in the property being built or in the financial assets being built, you have to ensure that those are in joint name because otherwise you've let go of your income and you're letting go of assets. It has to be mine, yours and ours. All the spend happens from ours. That's going to be a tough conversation considering how we view money. That's going to be a really tough conversation. Also, somewhere we are so afraid of being called a gold digger of being heartless. So at some point, I think in all our lives, we come to the stage where we say, you know, think whatever the hell you want of me. This is how it is. This is who I am. Whatever you want to think, it's in your head. No, it's not into my head. I know who I am and I know with what intention I'm doing things. So please have your opinion of me. I don't really care. I can't say I imagine it because I think I've been financially independent all my life. I mean, I think I started at 20 financial dependencies, but I can... Yeah, to only look at your, uh, you know, friends, moms who are widows to understand what dependence is. I'm sorry, but you see in a lot of families, which is why I always say that the intergenerational transfer of wealth has to be through a woman. Most women outlive men. So the assets go from man to son to grandson. But unless your name is on that document, of the property paper or uh, asset, you are still sitting in the side room. Interesting. And uh, we see a lot of this actually, you know, when you mentioned the PF and the nominee, we see that in life insurance. We see how the insurance policy is itself a kind of a protection tool that's being used. So I put out a, my colleague put out a post on Valentine's, which I reshared, which was on saying, you know, the most selfless thing that you can do is, you know, buy life insurance uh, mm-hmm. to protect your future uh, right. well, the pure term uh, insurance and uh, I remember getting so many comments back think of it saying Vishaka don't you think this is little too much of a stretch mm. you know even for you who wants to market insurance I said no I'm not marketing insurance at all yeah. you know I'm actually genuinely saying that 
buying a life insurance policy is the most selfless thing you can Correct. do because you're not going to be around to enjoy the benefits yeah. of it no so i need to find that tweet and like and retweet it yes absolutely i mean if you i go a step further that show your love by looking after the people you love after you are gone buying a life insurance policy is not enough you have to also leave a plan so that people who don't understand money don't buy bitcoin out of it or don't buy emu eggs out of it right so find a way to secure their future even after you are gone so buying the life insurance policy and writing a will are base level thresholds to show how much you care i mean don't buy me a diamond ring please like that's an insult secure my future you know that's what also the women have to also understand that this gender play is a two way street you know this whole thing of uh, buying jewelry this whole diamond ring this whole marketing culture around this gifts to a woman so even for a woman if you if gender equality is what you are really looking at then you have to also step away from expecting pieces of jewelry on an anniversary to you know buying each other life insurance plans and writing your bills i mean this is a bizarre conversation you know so trinkets are nice but let's build the foundation of love and care and then we can exchange trinkets so interesting i have always thought that women demand jewelry and they fuel this entire thing of bami jewelry to create their own little financial security egg yeah so that actually is the other thing that i say very often that indian women actually are very smart in the absence of rights over parental or marital home assets in a practical way i mean courts can do what they will but who's going to go to court so at a practical on ground level those are assets which never come to her mm-hmm. and uh, she doesn't have access to financial assets so the kitty party and women like you and me have always looked down upon them till i understood their role it's a recurring deposit it's a recurring deposit for women who don't understand or do not have the wherewithal to go to a bank and do it so it's a dismissal in our minds but if a woman has like five kitties and she is able to save up a whole lot of lump sums through the year it's very smart and the whole fixation of gold is simply because women have been kept out of family assets so the biggest danger group in my head are women again like you and me who grew up looking down on kitty parties and gold but unlike you and me did not make the transition to financial assets so we you we are lucky to have had the knowledge and the exposure to the financial sector and the confidence to manage not just our money but the whole extended family's money to say that okay this is how you do it but women and this is especially for the younger girls if you've let go of the old safety belts of kitty parties and gold and have not onboarded modern financial products you are the most at risk monica i wanted to check with you on one thing that has always bothered me and that is on lack of financial discipline okay the other thing that has bothered me is an inability to do fundamental asset liability match mm-hmm. i mean we've seen it now in corporates that have how idealistic is it of me to expect ordinary individuals to think like that when we couldn't get professionals in corporates to think like that having said which i don't want to give that up so what do you think we can do to create a financial discipline 
and to create this awareness of asset liability when you you lock in stuff you don't need i mean if you have a need for the next 15 years you lock it in and don't touch it because you know that's the only way that need will get met but do you see a lot of that in domestic individual households because by our very nature other than this uh, post 2000 generation who are now in their uh, 20s they are now sort of beginning to come into the market to start earning and saving i am not sure what their behavior is going to be but you know cohorts before that i thought are still very heavy on savings because it's still we are still a poor country mindset in many many ways and the urban elite is still a very thin pampered sliver of population let's say a, a 50000 to 1 lakh per month salary you know mm-hmm. which i would put down into your up middle class or middle class uh, however we want to classify it so let's not label it let's just talk about people who are earning about a 50k to 1 lakh uh, salary and uh, they invariably in their maybe late 20s consumerism is at an all time high right now do you think all the things that we spoke about that if you earn it's your right and you can spend where you want to if you have a responsibility then you have you owe the fulfillment of your responsibilities before you get this right to spend where you want to yeah if there's any other truths there that you know we want to put out there and say that this should be guiding principles on how you manage your money yeah and it becomes a little philosophical then for me <laughs> where i'm saying that i'm trying to balance the chance that i die tomorrow against the possibility that i live till 100 and that's my dilemma of money management so if i knew that i was going to die say in a week i may spend very differently but i don't know that and is there too much money left after life or is there too much life left after money so i constantly come back to balancing it out to say that i will secure my future self so that me at 90 doesn't look back and said if only yet this me at this age you know doesn't grudge the me at 90 to say oh i saved so much and here i'm dying now i could have spent more so how do i balance that and that you know it's really a question that each person has to answer for themselves that what really is more important for you and were you to want to spend everything today then do you have a plan for a job loss or an accident or do you going to go running to back to your parents who you know so as an adult how do you stand in the world do you stand on your own two feet or you're going to run back to mummy for money so that's where you have to sort of draw the line that my responsibility is also to myself in the future so i think you uh, spot on so it's you balance out and me being the practical money oriented person you know even if i have used money to buy happiness i'll be like okay i'm spending this money to get a smile on that person's face i can be that practical about uh, money we i think about it and so i feel you know at a very high level say that we we earn for 30% of our lives we spend about whatever you know 30 yeah. 35% of our lives preparing to earn and yeah. we live another 30 right. 35% of our life after we stop earning right so I feel that from day one of the time that you start earning money, you need to be able to start saving. 
yeah for for a future and that's where i feel you know you need to have this asset liability and say this is for 60 years old this is 70 years old yeah. this is 80 years old this is Correct. for when i'm 50 and 40 yeah and try and you know just lock away money like that so you're not yeah. even tempted to i actually tell younger people because you know when you're 25 you'd never think you're not old i mean we never thought we will cross 50 i tell them to download an aging app and look at their faces it's a very powerful thing to see yourself at 50 60 70 80 so it brings home the fact of where you're going and you know that's how the it's not something new to be 25 years old today there have been 25 year old for millions of years okay so it's just that we forget that we are just this cohort in this time there have been similar cohorts across millennia so that again it's just that little bit of reflection to say that it's not new what you're going through at 25 and it won't be new what you go through at 60 70 because that's how it is yeah and probably you know it's easier uh, it's easier to talk uh, mid 50s about uh, being altruistic so i always say that and say even if i have excess saved and life less lived then that excess could probably go back in service of humanity so you know i will still not feel that i gave up on luxuries for nothing because it will probably enable somebody else yeah for that you'll have to put it down exactly right so that kind of makes you feel less bad about giving up on something now and even if you create a nest egg which is thicker maybe it can yeah. help someone else you know even Correct. if you're not around to use it to yourself so on this philosophical note what's your next book about how is it coming through i know last time we spoke you had a deadline running towards it i know it's the deadline keeps getting pushed for variety of reasons so it's on actually mutual funds it uh, originated from let's talk money and the one communication after that was that can you take that book forward we want to understand more about funds so that's the book i'm writing right now but it's taking a little more time than i had thought A- any closing thoughts monica well uh, i oh. know we while we spent a lot of time with talking about women <laughs> i think money management is as applicable for men i i think uh, uh, lots of lots of households uh, have have gone astray because the men did not know how to use their money wisely and that's why uh, women have to be in charge women are far more sensible they don't take uh, ego driven decisions they are very careful with money therefore household money should be managed by women and not just household spending but investing well said on women's day no better message than that thank you so much it was such a pleasure chatting with you thank you vishakha my pleasure thank you uh, thank you so much monica for uh, being part of the conversation and i think we it was an absolutely fabulous free willing conversation listeners What you heard today is just the beginning. We've got some very exciting stories curated. So join us on a journey of maybe unlearning, learning or relearning how you deal with money, but most importantly, learn how to make tomorrow's financial success a certainty. It will also be great to hear from you on what you've thought of our first episode and I look forward to hearing from you all. Thank you.